Now, generally, I like to start my messages by telling you a funny story, something that happened in my life, or telling you a joke, something to make you laugh, but not today. Today is serious. Because I want to talk to you about one of the worst things that we face every day. This tragedy is plaguing our world. We all face it. And it's creating fear and panic in the lives of everybody in our great nation. It's traffic. It is. As a young child, I grew up, and traffic was something that I saw in movies. I never thought that in Mejia, Texas, I would have to deal with traffic. But there I am every day. I sit, I wait. I wait for the light to change. I wait for the person in front of me to discover their pedal, their gas pedal, that they have clearly misplaced. I wait for them to find out that their vehicle comes with a blinker and that it works. And if you use it preferably right before you turn, it helps the person behind you. Mm -hmm. I sit behind people that need a clear, no one coming so they can make a left turn. I do it. It's sad. It's sad. After much prayer and contemplation, I did come up with a campaign to end this problem. I call it the Just Drive Initiative. Just drive, right? So easy. By using a phrase that we commonly yell at other people, I think that the Just Drive Initiative will be very helpful because it'll encourage drivers to just drive, not to look at their cell phones, just drive the speed limit. Sophia threw me under the bus the other day. She was talking about wanting a motorcycle when she grows up. And we told her she could. When she's 18, you can get a motorcycle. That's fine. And then she goes, and I'm going to drive very fast, like mommy. I was like, I don't drive fast. I don't know what you're talking about. Jason's like, what? I was like, I don't know. Sophia. And she goes, Daddy, whenever we're going to daycare, Mommy drives very, very fast. <laughs> but girl, don't say this. Stop it. But why does traffic bother me so much? Why does traffic bother you so much? Listen, our cars are faster than ever before, right? Speed limits are higher. I cook and remember when, like, the speed limit in a major freeway was 55, right? And then it went up to, like, 70 during the day. But then at night, it was still like, what, 65, 60, somewhere around there? Yes. Now it's 75, 70. Cars are faster. Roads are wider. Speed limits are higher. So why does it still bother us so much to wait in traffic? It's because traffic is the one, one of the few things that we have left to wait on. We live in a society where increasingly our wait times are short. You want to talk to someone? Just call them or text them. People prefer text, so text first. You know, you're hungry, you want to eat? Go to a drive-thru at a fast food restaurant. I hear there's even cities where if you don't want to get up, 
you can download an app, order food, and people will bring it to you. I need that in Bahia. I need that in my life. They do. They have that. I could still be in my pajamas and get food. That would just, that would be awesome, you know? If you're sick, you don't have to go to the doctor and wait for a diagnosis. WebMD and your medically sound friends on Facebook will tell you what's wrong with you. <laughs> they will. If you have a problem you can't figure out, just Google it. Go on YouTube and find a video of someone solving that problem. It's super easy, right? Waiting is no longer a part of our culture. It's not. So when we have to wait, we panic, we get angry, or we rant on Facebook about how slow service is, how long you have to wait, either in line or at the restaurant. You're like, it's McDonald's, how hard is it? Because I've read your Facebook friends just like you. But you know, it does seem to be a growing theme that I get assigned to teach on the topics that I most struggle with. As a matter of fact, when Jason and I were talking about the series that was coming up and about the fact he was gonna be gone this week, this week was supposed to be kindness. Kindness. I'm kind, okay? And then he was like, well, we're gonna switch kindness and patience. And I was like, no. He's like, you get patience, friend. And I could see that smirk on his face. And I was like, see what you did there. See what you did. I'm like, okay, oops, there we go. I'm like, all right, it's fine. I can do it. You know what, it's so hard because I knew that as soon as I started preparing for this message, things were gonna happen that were going to reveal how much patience or lack thereof I have in my life. You know, even as a child, I was never a patient kid. I know you're shocked. You're like, Tina, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the most common phrases my parents want, like to say to me, you probably heard it often, was patience is a virtue. And believe it or not, that phrase never helped me have any more patience. Mm -mm, it just didn't work. But you know, as an adult, and as we've matured in Christ, I learned how important it is to be patient. But I've also learned that patience is not an option. It's not. The last four weeks, we have been discussing about the evidence of what it is to be a Christian by examining the fruit of the Spirit. And the, this evidence is discussed in the Bible, throughout the Bible, but we have been focusing in the book of Galatians. Paul wrote this letter to a struggling church there. Paul received word that there had been some false teachers that had come in and had been telling people that the only way to have a relationship with Jesus was to obey this whole set of rules. And in this letter, Paul reminded the Galatians that it's not rule following that makes you a follower of Jesus. Being a Christian means that you stand out. It means that you are different from other people around you. When you follow and you love Jesus, your life is the evidence your life is the evidence of it. Galatians 5, 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Listen, Paul emphasized that people will know you are a follower of Jesus by your words, by your actions, and by your heart. Paul makes it even more clear. He lists the evidence of a life that is separate from God. And he does it in verse 19. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. And when you read that, you're like, well, Paul, hello. Yes. Like, that's obvious. Witchcraft, idolatry, those are all things that a person who does not love Jesus does. But then he goes on. He gets further down the list. And then you can see why the people of Galatia were confused about Christianity. It says hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul would not have listed those things if people who were claiming to be Christians were not doing them. So can you imagine how hard it must have been for new followers to be like, hmm, is that really someone who loves Jesus? Because these things were the exact opposite of what following Jesus meant. Can you imagine how hard it must have been? Christians expressing hatred and stirring up anger with their words, claiming to be Christians and yet gossiping about others. Followers of Jesus that were full of anger. Does that sound familiar? I think that sadly, the same things that Galatia was facing is things that we see in our world today. I think there's more confusion about who Jesus is and what his followers look like today. Why? Because people, just go on Facebook. People that claim to be Christians with their words and with their actions say the exact opposite. Their lives do not have the evidence of truly following God. Remember, if you gossip, it's sin. If you hate others, it's sin. If you lose your temper, it's a result of a life not completely committed to God. And this isn't up for debate. It doesn't matter what you say or what title you claim. Paul makes it very clear that if that is the evidence that your life is displaying, then you are not a follower of Jesus and you will not be in heaven. Listen, Paul clearly defines the evidence of someone who is living a life truly committed to following Jesus. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because Children's Church has the song and it goes, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. I know, I'm sorry, I'm singing to you. I will stop torturing you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. A person who lives their lives following Jesus and is filled with his spirit has a transformed life. They do. Listen. All of those fruits should be seen not only in your words, 
but in your actions and in your character. They should be consistent. You know, it's never easy to admit that there is an area of weakness in our life, is there? Our pride keeps us from saying, hey, I struggle with this. And the fact that we stop from admitting it keeps us from growing in that area where we need it the most. It keeps us from being free in those areas. So for me to let you know that patience is something I really struggle with, it's very challenging. Because, man, I fall short on this one, y'all. This is, if there's a fruit that I need most in my life, an area where I need Jesus more, I just, I need to spend more time with Jesus. Because this is an area that I lack. And listen, I had to come to the point where I realized that my lack of patience didn't just affect my driving. I know. But it also affected my leadership and my relationships with people, with my family. And then on top of it all, it was causing me to misrepresent Jesus. I began to tackle one of the largest weaknesses in my life, and I began to grow the fruit of patience. And during that process, I learned a very valuable lesson. There is very little that is instant with God. You won't instantly become patient. Isn't that ironic? It's like you want patient and you want it now. That was me. I wanted to be like, just say the prayer and it happens and ta-da, I'm patient. It did not work that way. It doesn't. We have to wait. Listen, it happens to everybody. Christians, non-Christians, young, old, waiting is a part of life. I can remember being young. I have a sister that's three years older than me, and she would get to do all of this stuff, and I'd be like, Scott, you don't love me. And my parents were like, it's just that you're not old enough yet. And I was like, no, no. And my dad would always have this conversation with me. He said, just wait. Just wait. And I hated that conversation. I heard it often as a child. You can ask my daddy. I'm his favorite. But still, I had to wait. Listen, you have no control over it. You have no control over it. You'll have to wait on all kinds of things. And I don't believe that the evidence of the fruit of patience in your life is the ability to wait. It's not. Instead, patience is your attitude while you wait. So it's not the ability, it's the attitude. Patience is your attitude while you wait. It's the posture of your heart and your mind in the midst of waiting. That's when the follower of Jesus stands out. So how do you know if you have the fruit of patience? There are four areas where we can look. I know some of you are like, you don't need to go through them. I know them already. Just be patient and let me read through this, and we'll get there. Now, as I walk through them, I want you to evaluate yourself, okay? And at the end, we'll see how patient you are. The first area to evaluate is your patience with things. There are a lot of things that test your patience. Technology. There is nothing more frustrating than a piece of technology not doing what it's designed to do. Mm -hmm. It blows my mind how often technology doesn't work. And yes, IT, I did restart the computer as a matter of fact before I called you, but thank you. I will try that again. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find yourself yelling at your computer at work or maybe at the coffee machine? No? Okay. Don't come to my school. Pets. If you want to have something in your life, 
that constantly tests your patience, get a dog. We have a dog. His name is Boris. And he's allergic to everything under the sun. Everything. You name it, he is allergic to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this little boy does things that help me, help me grow my patience or learn to be patient. When I'm just about to drift off to sleep, my blissful sleep is coming. Our dog decides to come to my side of the bed. Mine, not Jason's. Mine. To tell me that he needs to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you went to the DMV to get your license renewed? <laughs> I think there's strategies to wear you down before you get to the counter. Now, when something goes wrong or breaks or doesn't work, how do you respond? See, the person wanting patience overreacts. If they don't respond, they overreact when things go wrong or break or don't work. They slam their keyboards, they throw their phones, they yell in frustration when their dog wakes them up in the middle of the night, they freak out when their order is wrong, they storm to the counter at the DMV before their number is called. By the way, that does not work. The person who has the fruit of the spirit of patience though responds with self-control with reason and with a good attitude. Listen, to have patience doesn't mean that things don't bother you. Instead, your level of patience reveals itself in your response when things go wrong. Now, the next area to evaluate is patience with people. I think if I had to pick one area where Christians struggle with the most, it's patience with people. If you go on social media after church, you can see it, okay? People with traffic that irritate you because they don't use their blinkers. People at work who aren't doing their job. People at work who are perfect. They're always doing their job and trying to do yours and tell you how to do yours. Mm -hmm. People who don't agree with you. Smart people, dumb people, the waiter who isn't fast enough, the person who just yelled at you. People are going to do things that test your patience. Yes, and if you're around people, and then we start saying things like, I am about to lose my patience. And God's like, really? Is that how the fruit of the spirit works? Like you have patience and all of a sudden somebody can walk by and just, and then it's gone. I'm like, no. Here's the challenging part about showing patience with others. How you respond, how you act represents Jesus. And when you drill someone over Facebook, when you overreact, you are misrepresenting Jesus. When you treat someone like they're stupid for not understanding or for not getting your order just perfect, you're misrepresenting Jesus and causing people to reject him. Listen, regardless of what people are saying or doing, the patient person responds with grace, with love, and with acceptance. Trust me, guys, I know it's hard. Here I am, I promise. Another area to evaluate your life is patience with God. As society continues to speed up, our waiting shortens. We are not patient people. 
We're counting down the minutes for lunch. Come on, come on. We're counting down the seconds. We are not a patient society. Listen, your patience or lack of patience shows itself in your ability to wait for God and his will in your life. Throughout the Bible, we read stories of people who had to wait on God's will. They had to wait on God to reveal to them what was the next step. And if they had to wait, what makes us think that we won't have to wait? We're used to immediacy. If we want it, we want it now. And we can get it now. Hello, Amazon Prime. It's like everyone has it. You know, you look at it and you're like, shipping is going to take five days. I'll just go to Amazon. We are used to immediacy. Listen, the needs are the same. They have always been. We need healing. We need guidance. We need God to come through for something. The only difference is our expectation of how soon God should do it for us. It's the only thing that has changed. Patiently waiting on God requires that you sacrifice more than your plan. You also have to sacrifice your schedule, the timing of when it should happen. Listen, our prayer should be, God, you know my situation. You know that I need you to come through. I trust your will and I trust your timing. And that is a difficult thing to do. Another area uh, followers of Jesus struggle with is patience with God's process in people. Listen, it's easy to forget how long God has been working in our lives. But you always want God to work faster in your husband's life or in your kid's life. You're like, Lord, please help this man because, mm, right? Okay, it's just me. Don't tell Jason. Let's take that out of the recording. Oh, we're on Facebook Live. Standing on this side of salvation, it's easy to get anxious to see our friends, our relatives, people we love to get saved. And you want it to happen now. You want God to make a transformation now. You want them to have an encounter with God now. But that's not something we can speed up. Listen, as the Holy Spirit draws people in, some people respond faster than others. Listen, the patient person recognizes the process that God is working and doing in someone's life. The evidence of patience is committing to sharing your faith, having spiritual conversations, and loving someone through the entire process, regardless of how long it takes. Listen, my family and I prayed for my dad to get saved for years. And before at the men's breakfast, you heard his story. Years. And some years got worse than others. But you know what? God did save him. Can you imagine what would have happened if we had given up after a year? Can you imagine if we had given up? God did his process. It took time. But I'll tell you, and he'll tell you, it was worth it. The waiting was worth it. The process was long, but it was worth it. Listen, there's a tendency to grow impatient with people as God is working in them, isn't it? There is. You want them to be, it's like, dude, come on, get it right. How long have you been following Jesus? But that's not the way we should be. Listen, salvation does begin the moment we accept Jesus, but it is not complete until we see him face to face. Because nobody, nobody's perfect. 
someone who's patient expects that people who are new to the faith may have questions. They may say the wrong things. They may make mistakes. It's a journey. We understand that it is a journey to be more like Christ. And we don't judge, rebuke, or dismiss people who are newer to the journey than us. Isn't it interesting that we want people to be patient with us? We say things like, listen, God's still working on me. But then when they do something, we don't reciprocate. We don't give that amount of patience back. Listen, I'm afraid that all too often we hinder God's work in someone's life with our angry impatience. We want them to completely be free of addiction now. We want them to look right, talk right, act right. We want them to see the problems in their lives that we see. We want them to instantly make right decisions. And that's not the way it works. Listen, do you feel like you evidence patience in those areas? Because I know I struggle. You know, maybe you're doing really good with some, but you're struggling with others. That's okay. Now you know the area you need to work on. And if all four of them, welcome to the club. We'll do this together. <laughs> now, this is a part of the message that nobody likes. How do you develop patience? Now, notice I say develop it. It doesn't come instantly. In other words, you're going to, be pa you're going to have to be patient as you learn to be patient. So if you're impatient about being patient, then you aren't patient, which means you're actually impatiently patient or patiently impatient. Either way, you're going backwards. Please don't make me say that again. Now, how do you develop patience? Well, first, you have to remember that God is patient with you. First Timothy 1.16 says, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst sinner, Christ might display his unlimited patience. Paul said, God chose me. Paul was a murderer. He was an enemy of the church before he had an encounter with God. And he said, God turned me around to show his unlimited patience. And you know, as I read that, I thought, you know what? God is patient with me, and I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that when I mess up, God doesn't just say, you know what, Tina, that's it. I'm done with you. And storms off. You know, some of us require extra patience from God. Yeah. I think, I, I think God requires a lot of extra patience with me <laughs> sometimes. So listen, the next time you say to your kids, hey, grow up. Sometimes God wants to say that to you too. Or when you say, hurry up, why is it taking so long? Those are questions that God may be wanting to ask you as well. Why aren't you ma maturing? Why don't you get it? Why don't you trust me? Remember, God could probably say those things to you or ask you those questions, but he doesn't because he's patient. So no matter how many times you mess up, God is patient with you. God is unlimitedly patient with you. That is his level, unlimited. That's what we should strive to be, which is really difficult, but we can do it. Unlimited patience with others. To develop patience, you need to learn to give others the benefit of the doubt. Listen, we want the benefit of the doubt, right? If someone act like mishears us or misjudges something we did or said, we want them to give us the benefit of the doubt. But we don't do the same. I want to read you something from Pastor Rock's new book, Help, I'm in Charge. 
She said, several weeks ago, someone confronted me. They said, you ignored me in the hallway last Sunday morning. That Sunday morning, I had one meeting, preached three times, greeted people at the door three times, met guests in the, cen in the guest center four times, and had lunch with several families new to our church. Is it possible, as a finite human being, that I might have just missed someone in the hallway on my way to the next thing? Rather than consider that and give me the benefit of the doubt, they automatically assumed I didn't like them. The truth is, unfortunately, I simply hadn't seen them. Instead of assuming the worst, I allow for the chance that it might not be so bad. Assume their motive wasn't to hurt or harm you. Ask yourself, is it possible they didn't mean it? What is their character? What is their track record? Assume the best of others. It takes so much pressure off when you assume good instead of evil. Love that. Assume the best in others. Paul taught in Ephesians 4.1, Therefore I, a prisoner of serving the Lord, beg you to leave a light worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So what does it mean to make allowances for each other? To give each other the benefit of the doubt. Assume the best instead of the worst. Listen, don't leap to negative conclusions. We are so good at that. You want people to have patience? Give, be patient with people. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Show that same grace. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That's the golden rule, right? Matthew 7, 12 says, so in everything you do, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Treat others the way you want to be treated. In other words, think about other people, not just yourself. You know, I think this single verse could save a lot of marriages, a lot of problems in the church, because it's easy to understand, but it's difficult to do. It's difficult to think of a situation from somebody else's perspective, right? It's not natural to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and say, hmm, maybe they did take it this way. Maybe I did come across this way. We have to be able to show people the same courtesy, the same patience that we want them to show us. Philippians 2, 4 and 5 says, none of you should think only of his own affairs. Consider others' interests also. When you think about other people first, when you see things their way, you're going to watch your patience level go up. Let your attitude toward life be that of Jesus Christ. Listen, it takes God's power in your life to be able to grow the fruit of the spirit of patience. Remember, patience is the fruit of the spirit. It's a result of a life that's committed to God. The more Jesus you have in you, the more patience you'll display. Now, finally, here's a tough one. Ask God to help you be patient. Now, I know this is the most frightening prayer you can pray. Trust me. I have prayed it. Okay? And when you do, God will put you in situations where you're going to need patience, or he's going to put people in your life that require patience. 
and I want patience. Sometimes I'm not so sure I want to do what it requires, though, to have patience. So I completely understand, okay? I do. I can almost guarantee that if you pray for patience, that's going to happen. But do you want to know the good news? Even if you don't pray it, you are going to have people in your life that require patience. You're going to come up in situations in life where patience is going to be required. So whether you pray for it or not, you can't escape it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just a part of life. So instead of praying, God, change those people. Stop making them be annoying. Instead, we should pray, God, start working on me. God, change my attitude. Change my heart. I surrender my plans and control to you. Help me be more patient. Have I arrived? No. I'm still on my patience journey. You can ask my children right before we came to church. I was like, how many times do I have to tell you? Get dressed. I know. But you know what? It's a journey. Let's walk it together. If you see me being impatient, remind me. Like, hey, Tina, your patience is not showing. I give you permission. Life is a journey and everything's better in teams. And if we're going to grow as a church, if we're going to grow as a family, let's do this together. Let's encourage each other to be patient. Be patient with me as I go through this journey as well. Because I have certainly not arrived. I thought I was doing really good and then this morning happened. Let's learn to trust not only in God's plan, but also in his timing. Remember, we've been talking about how all the hoops are connected. I think when we begin to display more patience, we're going to have more love for people. We're going to have more joy. We're going to have more peace. It's going to make it easier to be kinder to people when we're patient with them. So if this morning God has challenged you about the fruit of patience, I want to pray with you because I know how difficult this is. I know what it is like to lose patience with God when you're waiting for God to work on somebody you love. I know what it's like to lose patience with God in the plan that he has for your life. Because in your head, you had it all figured out. And then situations happened that weren't supposed to happen, that you weren't expecting, and it has thrown you completely off. I know what it's like to watch somebody you love make decisions that are leading them further and further from God. I understand completely. I understand what it's like to lose patience with your loved ones, with your husband, with your spouse. Sometimes life just gets too busy and the pressure is so much that the people that we love the most is the ones that get the least of us. They get the least amount of patience. I always feel guilty because I feel like sometimes I'm done from school and so my kids get less patience when I come home. I understand. Guys, we're in this together. And we're not alone. God is on our side. And God is for us. And we're going to make it in this journey. We're going to make it.
let's pray. God, we come before you asking you, God, first of all, just thanking you that you love us. God, as you have been speaking to us about the fruit of the Spirit, patience, Lord. God, we ask your forgiveness, God, for being impatient with you, Lord, for not having patience, God, and your timing, God, when things are going wrong, Lord. God, sometimes we lose all hope because we just think, God, you're taking forever. Do you even listen? Do you even care? Are you even real? And God, we are so sorry, Lord, for lacking patience, Lord, especially when you, are un you display unlimited patience with us, God. God, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how often we follow, Lord God. You pick us back up. You dust us off, and you set us back on your path. God, this morning, we pray, Lord God, that you will begin to renew us, Lord. God, that as we begin to grow in the fruit of patience, God, that you, Lord, will be by us, God. That we will remember, Lord, to trust not just your will, God, but also your timing, Lord. God, with people, Lord, with people that are not saved yet, with people who are on the journey, Lord, with people that we encounter, Lord, may our hearts be so full of you, Lord God, that anytime something goes wrong, the fruit of patience will be displayed in our life, Lord God. And because we display it, Lord, others will be drawn to you, Lord. God, we thank you for keeping us safe, Lord, this, during this season, God. Lord, we ask that you be with us this week, Lord God. And Lord, that when we come across a situation, that requires patience. God, that we will just take a deep breath and that we will, oh Lord God, make a conscious decision to demonstrate patience with our words, with our actions, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.